When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama! What a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right. Welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. My name is Chris Plank. We call our Friday edition the tailgate get an early jump on Bedlam Saturday. That's right, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, the Bedlam Battle 2.30 kick will be on the air on the Sooner Radio Network beginning at 12.30 with the pregame. If you're going to be traveling and you need to find an affiliate, you can simply log on to Soonersports.com slash radio or download that TuneIn Radio app and you can listen to us anywhere Anytime. As always, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing and downloading the Sooner Sports Podcast. We have a very busy show coming up today. It'll be a battle of the voices. Toby Rowland and Dave Hunziker coming up later on in the show. And I got to be honest with you, one of my favorite follows on Twitter is Ted Wynn. And the reason I really started digging his Twitter feed was because he would break down Oakland Raider film. And I'm a huge Oakland Raiders fan. Well, over the last couple of seasons, he's really started focusing a lot on Oklahoma film study. So I invited Ted to come on the podcast. We'll talk about kind of his perception of the Oklahoma offense and how he feels about Lincoln Riley's progression and Kyler Murray and what he's seen from the standout Sooner quarterback here in his first season as a starter. But speaking of Kyler Murray, we kick off the podcast talking to QB1, and we get set for Bedlam by first looking back on the night that was in Lubbock with Kyler Murray. 
Big win for the Sooners on the road. 19 straight wins on the road. Kyler Murray joins us. What makes this team so good on the road? Um, just knowing, you know, what it takes to win on the road. Um, going in with a clear mindset. Knowing that, you know, there's no pre, you know, we're not determining what's going to happen before the game. We just go in. Um, not knowing how many punches it's going to take, but we just keep throwing them um, until, until it hits 0-0. Zero, zero, so. How important is it for you to have a short-term memory in a lot of ways? That tough start, but you bounced back. 300 yards passing, 100 yards rushing, never been done before in Oklahoma history. How important is it, though, for you to keep that short-term memory? I think it's very important as a quarterback because, I mean, you're, you're going to mess up at times. You're going to throw interceptions. You're going to fumble the ball. It happens. Uh, and obviously it happened a little more than I'd like uh, at the beginning of the game. Um, but, yeah, getting in that hole and then being able to come back out of it, uh, having the trust of my teammates, uh, obviously me sticking with myself, um, you know, believing in myself, uh, and then playing pretty well, playing, playing pretty decent after that, uh, I think it would, you know, showed a little character for, you know, for the offense. You got a very calm demeanor about you, but when you see that line to where it's either aggressive or overly aggressive, where do you step in as a leader? How do you help guys to not get overly aggressive at times? Uh, I, I don't I never want to stop our guys from being aggressive just because that, that's just, you know, you got you got to have it's, it's football. You know, there's a f different physicality to this game um, that you have to have to be able to play it. And for our O-line, I mean, th those guys are, you know, beasts. They, they, they play with the aggression. They play with the physicality, and we love it. Uh, and at times it gets out of control, but uh, you know, it's like I said, it's a physical game, and nobody on on the outside or who's watching TV knows what's going on. You know, you can't see the you know the actual stuff that's being said or what's happening on the field. So um, it's it's tough, but um, we just got to be smarter and just you know handle them better, handle handle those situations better. You know, I ask a lot of how impressed were you questions to you. So how impressed were you with the way that offensive line did perform, opening up holes yeah. for you and Trey, and then giving you time to throw the ball. Like I said before, I mean, we, we got—I think we got the best line in the country, um, and I mean, I just hope people, you know, really recognize what's going on here um, and what's been going on here for the past couple of years now. Uh, you know, those guys played amazing on Saturday. How about Trey Sermon? Uh, we always kind of joke about Parnell on defense being the closer, but he really—I mean, my goodness—just rolling over guys Saturday. Yeah, he rushed for a career high or whatever, 206 yards. Um, I was really happy to see him go off because uh, I know he's been um, not not down, but just. He, he hadn't been able to, you know, get 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 loose like he's wanted to, and I think he did that Saturday. So you got to use a lot of weapons. We even saw Jeremiah Hall in the passing game. But how rewarding is it whenever you're able to hook up with Lee Morris, high school teammate, and to see him really burst onto the scene this year? Great. I mean, Lee's always open. He's always there. Um, you know, he what was he two for four with two touchdowns, fifty uh, percent. So um, I'm just glad. You know, he's 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 getting better. Um, he's playing a lot. Uh, playing a lot. Uh, he's playing well. Um, so for us, uh, just gotta keep going. Keep going. I mean. Forward, he's got, he's got to keep playing well. Championship November. Did it feel different? Is the intensity ratcheted up? What's it like being on the inside? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's November. We know, you know, there, we can't take a loss. You, you know, you can't lose. Uh, can't take that step back. We, we can't have any more second chances. Um, you, know, you just got to win. That's what it's all about. So I think um, in a hostile environment, we did that. So it was good. We go from the offensive side of the football to the defensive side of the football. Captain Kenneth Murray. Now, Tim Kish, who was on with us on Coach's Corner, uh, you can also download that today, Soonersports.tv slash podcast, said, you know, maybe Kenneth didn't have his best outing. Maybe there's some things that he needs to improve. But the one thing we notice every time we talk to Kenneth Murray, he's focused and trying to improve, and he took us back to Saturday night and what he saw from the film and the win over Texas Tech. Big win on the road for the Sooners, knocking off Texas Tech. I'll start with Kenneth Murray, the same question I did Kyler. 19 straight on the road. What makes, makes this team so good on the road? Um, just the way that we fight, just the way that we handle adversity, um, the way that we just come together as brothers and go out there and fight for each other. So I think 
our brotherhood right now is what, what makes it so special. And it's just us going out there, you know, we're in environments where it's just all you and you, you know, you're the only team that you got. And, you know, you don't have really no fans there but yourself. So you just got to depend on your brothers and go out there and fight for each other. What makes this team so good at overcoming adversity? You guys are stuck with tough field position early on with a couple turnovers. You fight through it. You keep clawing away. What's the key to that? Um, just setting that mentality early. Um, that's just a mentality that's been instilled from us from the beginning of the season that when anything adversity hits, we just fight and we continue to fight. And so that's just been the mentality, you know, just fighting no matter what happens. So as long as you keep that mentality, um, you're able to get through anything. I know you're focused on your job, but how, how difficult is it against those air raid offenses when you're down a couple of guys in the secondary? You see new guys step up and play well. Jordan Parker did on Saturday night, Justin Broyles as well. But how much of a challenge can that be? Um, it's definitely a big challenge, especially, you know, facing facing offenses like that. They like to spread you out and, you know, throw the ball all over the place and, you know, try to get the ball to different guys and stuff like that. So definitely it's a challenge, but um, it's not a big challenge for us. You know, we're able to, you know, rotate guys in. We got guys at, at Oklahoma, you know, we got guys that can come in and play at any time. So, um, you know, just having the young guys come in, you know, guys like Jordan Parker, guys like Justin Bros come in and just make plays. I mean, those guys are built for those moments. So. Teddy Lehman talked about it a lot on our radio broadcast, the challenge when you have those dig routes because you got the crossers and then boom, there's someone right behind you. How difficult is that for you, Kenneth? Uh, that's, that's, that's a difficult combination because a lot of times they try to send something, something that flash in front of your face to get you to bite on that and then throw it right behind your head. So um, obviously, you know, First Tech, you know, they had a couple of those um, that they got called on us and stuff like that. So just being disciplined in your eyes, it's just something that, you know, you got to discipline yourself and stuff like that. Just be able to, you know, not bite up on the crosser and, you know, stay back for the dig. How well, when you look back on the tape, do you think you guys adjusted as the game progressed? Well, I think we adjusted really well. I think the coaches put, put some things in front of us to get done, and I think we got those things done. All right, and with that said, Bedlam's coming up this week. Fun to be back home, but, you know, Texas guy, but still second year in the program. What does Bedlam mean to you? Uh, it's another rivalry game, you know, you know, big game for this program. And so, you know, it's obviously going to be an emotional game. Um, so, you know, we at our house, we got to protect our house. And so I'm looking forward to going out there having a great game. You mentioned emotion. I'll let you go on this, that fine line between being aggressive and being overly aggressive. How tough is it to walk that line? Um, I mean, it's not tough as long as you're focused. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. It's not 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 losing your focus. You know, it's, it's, you, of course, you got to be aggressive as football, but just, you know, maintaining that focus, you know, not to get over aggressive, not, you know, cause the team dumb penalties. It'll be the 113th edition of Bedlam Saturday afternoon, 2.30 kick. You know those two guys are ready, Kyler Murray and Kenneth Murray. All right, let's hear from the voices, shall we? Earlier this week, Sooner play-by-play -play voice Toby Rowland, my co-host on The Game Plan, and Dave Hunziker sat down to preview the Bedlam battle. Give me the overarching storyline of the season for OSU. Five and four, two and four in Big 12 play. What is the main overarching story of this year? If the Cowboys could get out of their own way, they'd be on their way to a pretty good season. How's that for blunt? <laughs> Explain. Uh, well, sure. I'd be happy to. Baylor, uh, of course, I wish I didn't have to explain because they'd be having a better season. The Baylor game is a great example. You know, 13 penalties for more than 140 yards, a block punt return for a touchdown. And it's a game that if you don't make those big errors, you probably win the game. Uh, at Kansas State, you not only probably win the game, you probably win it big. At Kansas State, not quite the same, but at the same time, costly penalties down near the goal line, mistakes down near the goal line in the first half, and instead of getting two touchdowns, they settle for two field goals. They lead 6-3 at half instead of 14-3. Iowa State, 
Uh, you know, Oklahoma State's up seven nothing. They had the momentum. Zach Siner, you know, just a regular punt snap, fumbles it in the end zone, has to kick it out of the end zone for a safety, and then everything shifted from that point forward. So there's been a lot of that. Now, that being said, there are reasons for that. Uh, there's a lot of new on this team. There's a new defensive coordinator, a new scheme, a lot of new starters. But, you know, it's just like any sport. It's so much about sports is managing your mistakes. You're going to make some. You just have to make sure they're not catastrophic errors. For this team, there's been too many catastrophic errors that have just really swung momentum or led to changes in games. And part of that's being youth, but it's unfortunately probably been a little bit worse than than they would have hoped. Taylor Cornelius has been uh, the subject of much debate and conversation all year long. What is your evaluation of how he's played this year? You know, the coaches feel like that he's improved and he's he's got better. I was interested to see what they thought about Saturday, and I think they felt like he played pretty well. The one thing that that seemed, and at Kansas State, he did not play well. That was a game they were concerned about. He's very good against Texas at home, game that Oklahoma State won. The thing that hopefully has helped him, and it seems to have helped him, is that they've simplified things on offense and defense, and that helped against Texas. And I do think if you take the big errors away, it helped them against Baylor too. And it seems to have really smoothed things out for him. So, you know, they're – you know, their number of plays that they're carrying into a game has dropped some. It's allowed Taylor to get more repetitions of those plays in practice. I think that seems to have helped him. That's what the coaches believe. And against Texas, you could really see it. And, you know, he is a first-year starter at quarterback. Uh, you know, he's not a Mason Rudolph by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, those guys don't come along every single year. It just doesn't happen that way. But, you know, I think he's, been, I think he's, he's gotten better as the year's gone along. And I'll be really interested to see what he does here these last three games to see if he can build on what he did against Texas. You know, a fair number of things he did that they were pleased with against Baylor and and maybe have a a strong finish. Huge season for Tylen Wallace. Uh, Of course, had the the big 222-yard game against Texas. But here we go, another season and another great OSU wide receiver. He's not... 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, Dave, like some wide receivers we've seen in this conference. He's he's six foot. What has allowed him or, or what has been the secret to his success this year? Tremendous timing, I think, and the ability to catch balls under duress or, you know, in terms of catches that are contested. He's really good at that. He jumps really well because he's not a tall guy, as you said. He's six feet. He's about the same size as James Washington. Probably not like Washington in that James could run a post and catch a ball on a dead sprint and never slow up. I mean, he could throw it to him and he would catch it in dead stride and just keep on going. You don't see that really all that often. Tylen is more of a guy that is really good at attacking the ball at its first available point. You know, so he's got that timing. And then I think also, you know, you know, being closely guarded doesn't bother him much, which usually when you think of guys that are good at that, you think of those guys that are big and tall. You know, like the Iowa State receivers they've had the last couple of years. They they recruit those kind of guys. He's not big like those those players, but he's really good with his timing and he's got great leaping ability. And, you know, I never expected he'd have these kind of numbers, but, uh, you know, he's just a kid that works really, really hard and expects a lot out of himself. And sometimes those players are the ones that take off quick. 
I like getting your opinion on these. You see every single snap. You're not just dropping in for a series or a drive or two like a lot of us are forced to that are uh, busy on Saturdays. Um, let's talk strength and weakness. What do you feel like this team does the best? What do you feel like, and, and maybe it's something you already mentioned off the top, what do you feel like is their weakness right now? Oh, goodness, in terms of, of strength right now, you know, they, what what they did Saturday at Baylor, and this has been a little hit and miss, and we'll see if this is a building point, because the strength of the team is the tailbacks. There's no doubt the strength of the team is the tailbacks. They have, you know, when L.D. Brown was healthy, they had four guys that they were, were very, very good. So, you know, but the thing is, they, they've run the running game's been a little hit and miss. Now, the last two games, uh, it's been better at times, uh, and was especially good down the stretch against Baylor. Uh, the thing is, they just couldn't quite get enough first downs. But for the first time, I thought this year, and a rare occasion in recent years, they were able to run the ball when the defense knew they were going to run it. That's been a problem here in this style of offense for the last three to four years. They did that Saturday, and that was really encouraging. So I hope that continues. You know, and, and another strength is, you know, as strength has been the defensive line. Jordan Brailford's had a really good season, has been near the top, if not leading the nation in sacks most of the year. So I would say those things. You know, they've been able to get pressure on the passer for the most part, and then the, the running game may be starting to, to, to come along as that young offensive line uh, gets better. In terms of weaknesses, I mean, obviously, uh, on their on their way to one of the highest seasons in penalty yards in Oklahoma State history, uh, they, they've just had a lot of had a lot of penalties. Uh, some games really poor, like the Baylor game, for example. That's been an issue. The special teams that are usually a strength recently have been kind of hit and miss. Amendola missed two out of three field goals against Oklahoma or against Texas, rather, and Zach Siner had a punt blocked against Baylor that was directly returned for a touchdown. And then I think they're in the secondary, they're getting better, but at times they've given up big plays. It's a new defensive scheme. You've got young safeties back there, so that's been a bit of a problem. I think they're improving in that area, uh, but if you look at the entire course of the season, that'd have to be on there probably. Talking to Dave Hunziker, uh, he'll be on the broadcast Saturday along with John Holcomb and Robert Allen on the uh, Cowboy Radio Network two-hour pregame show, so they'll hit the air at 12.30 on Saturday. Uh, last question, Dave, we'll cut you loose. If OSU is going to win Saturday, what's important for them X's and O's wise in dealing with Oklahoma? Well, somehow, some way, you've got to try to limit the big plays. Now, nobody else has been able to do that, so I don't know what kind of magic potion you can come up with to try to do that, but somehow you've got to keep those reasonable and you've got to be able to rush the ball now uh and and i think you've got to be able to rush the ball and i don't know if you can shorten the game per se but i think you have to do the best you can to do that you've you've got to be able to rush the ball you've got to be able to do it when the defense is expecting it and then somehow you know you you've just got to try to find a way to to keep oklahoma from being so explosive And, and then you know hand in hand with that no catastrophic mistakes you cannot have 15-yard penalties to extend drives. You cannot get a punt block for a touchdown. You can't turn it over in the red zone. I'll be honest. If you do any of those things once, you probably can't win. And if you do it more than once, you're not going to win, plain and simple. So, you know, they'll, they'll have to try to get those things fixed because your margin of error against Oklahoma, as good as the offense is for the Sooners, is 
awfully small. We'll be painting the Palace crimson come Saturday, so if you're headed to the game, make sure you wear your crimson gear. Might want to bring a hoodie as well, too. Highs are only going to be in the mid to hopefully upper 40. Sooners have won 14 straight in November. And, oh, by the way, Oklahoma up to sixth in both the AP and coaches poll and sixth in the second playoff ranking. So what do you say we learn a little bit more about the perception and the, I don't know, what maybe the altitude, get a little higher look at the Oklahoma offense, the All-22 view. He is the host of the Coffee House Stunt Podcast. He's been one of my favorite follows on Twitter. Ted Wynn from The Athletic joins us here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Ted, thanks for joining us. I'm curious, what drew you to watching more of the Sooners? You live in the Bay Area. You cover the Raiders. You cover the 49ers. But over the last two to three years, I've really seen a lot more of you breaking down Lincoln Riley. Take me through what, what's led to that for you. Hey, Chris, yeah, just um, just watching his offense, there's so many little creative designs that you don't really see anywhere else. He's really just unafraid to think outside the box, and it seems like every new uh, design he comes up with ends up working. So, you know, I just like studying scheme, and uh, it's refreshing to see uh, somebody think so far outside the box. Yeah, and, and maybe, yeah, Ted, I'm so excited to talk to you, and I know I've been bugging you for a long time. Usually my questions uh, surround, is Derek Carr going to be okay? What's wrong with this offense? So it's kind of fun to talk Sooners with you. But uh, what people need to know this. You covered the Bay Area, but yet you just, as you started watching, you started studying, this really was, you, you were magnetized and you were gravitated towards. So I got to know, as you've been studying this and as you watched film of it, what have you seen that's really improved in Lincoln Riley and some of the things that they've done schematically? Um, I just think that they, they don't have an extremely complicated system. They run their base plays, but then they have these counters to their counters. So if a defense overreacts to a certain concept, they have an answer for it, a, a creative answer for it to um, answer that type of defense. So you're just there's just constantly keeping defenses on their toes. What have you seen or have you seen anything different that defenses have tried to do? And I know this is such a generic question and it's general, Ted, and you know we could chop it up in several thousand different ways, but has there been anything, maybe more blitzing, less blitzing, maybe that umbrella defense that Iowa State tried to use and many others have? Have you seen anything that defenses have tried to do to try to consistently stop them? Uh, stop Kyler Murray or stop the uh, Oklahoma offense specifically? Well, may, may, maybe, you know, I, I do want to talk about Kyler, but maybe we just go in general. Let's just say the OU offense. I mean, have you seen people try to dial up more pressure? Or are they pulling back on that? Uh, I, I think that, that in college football is not as um, game plan specific as NFL. So defense will have their way of uh, running things and their system. Uh, they'll, they'll try to tweak it more. Like, you know, sometimes they'll blitz a little bit more, but then um, – that you know, like like we t- talked about before, Riley has so many answers that if you try to blitz them, they have hot reads. They could, they can run their screens and uh, all sorts of things. So it's just it's tough to say that there's a there's one way that defense are trying to uh, scheme up against Oklahoma. Great point. Probably an awful question, but I appreciate you bailing me out of it. Ted Wynn is in the house <laughs> at FB underscore Film Analysis. Are you of the believer that the college game? offensively is a couple years ahead of the NFL game, or is that just something us college football fans like to sell each other? 
No, I, I think that you, you're starting to see the NFL game be more open to um, the spread concepts. I think the college game is more experimental, uh, where guys could experiment with different concepts and uh, kind of get away with it. But in the NFL, it's more they're more there's more at risk, I guess. You know, uh, so they're a little more conservative. They're not willing to move to uh, some of these spread concepts as quickly or think outside the box as quickly. So when it works in college and they see it work in college, then you start seeing it in NFL. Do you see, and this is a question that scares a lot of us, but I'll ask you anyway, do you see a future in which Lincoln Riley would be an NFL head coach? I do. There is a lot of interest, or at least rumored interest. Um, But I think that the best thing for Riley, and I, I don't see this happening because he's such a hot name, is that if he could be a coordinator first in the NFL before taking over right. as head coach, uh, because you know he has a great system in college. But when you get to the NFL, there is more a more bigger emphasis on regular drop back passing, and he doesn't have a huge package of drop back passing in his uh, system. So uh, it's going to be an adjustment if he does make it to uh, does decide to go to NFL. But uh, I, I just don't see him doing it for a, for a while. What's been your opinion and your thoughts on Kyler Murray and the way that he's progressed so far this year as you've watched him? Yeah, so such, he has such a small sample size from last year that um, that it's hard to really pick up on what he was approved on because you don't really, didn't really know what kind of quarterback he was. But Great. just watching him, his accuracy is so um, surprisingly good. Just because I've heard, you know, people were telling me when I wrote an article about him that his accuracy wasn't good. Uh, but when you watch him this year, he, he's been extremely accurate. Uh, his decision-making is really good. I know he had a couple turnovers against Texas Tech, but I thought his decision-making throughout the year has, has been really, uh, really good. And he has the ability to bounce back from mistakes. He almost led the team back from that Texas game, uh, that Army game. He, he played well in the clutch. Um, so, yeah, he, he's just really poised, which is uh, surprising for a guy who hasn't played that much. Yeah, and that's the thing is you almost you know he's going to play professional baseball, but I'm so intrigued, Ted, to see what could happen if this guy had more seat time. Because, I mean, you could probably uh, preach it more than anyone. There's just there's no uh, there's no way to really equate the difference that more seat time can make. You just can't. It's it's incredible in seeing how much more confident this guy is this past week as he was the first week. And, Ted, that's just getting more opportunities. I, I wish we could see another full season of him playing college football. Oh, yeah, for sure. And um, I think if the NFL did come calling, uh, the fact that he doesn't have a big resume uh, will be his biggest um, criticism. Uh, just because he has, even though that the one year he's having so far has been pretty spectacular, I just think that um, college I mean, NFL scouts want to see more from uh, from him. Yeah, and then with that said, I don't know. I mean, again, you're a film guy, and I know you're not going to be able to delve too much on the agent side. I'm just a dumb fan who's asking questions. Do you see him as maybe someone that NFL and NFL team might get intrigued by and use a sixth or seventh round pick to try to entice him to come to camp? Or do you think the size and his deal with the A's would prohibit any of that kind of thought? Um, I, yeah, I don't know about the, uh, if they would take that chance on him because of, uh, that situation with the A's already. Um, so I think he would have to make a commitment to say, I, I want to try to football thing out. 
for him to get drafted. Uh, but for him to go to NFL would be a huge, um, be a big difference for him because he's already a high draft pick with the A's. He's already guaranteed a lot, a lot of money. Whereas if he decides to go to the NFL, he's fighting an uphill battle. I think teams will be really intrigued by his talent, uh, but his, some teams will just take him off their board completely because of his height. Uh, even though people are starting to warm up to shorter quarterbacks, um, but there are still some teams that say, you know, you're not to a certain height, then you're off our board. Um, and just with baseball, there's a long, better health prospects for him uh, to stay healthy and not have to worry about injuries as well. Uh, but honestly, he's, he's the closest thing to, I think we've seen to uh, Michael Vick. He has that same type of effortless throwing motion. He has a very strong arm, and uh, we all know he's extremely explosive. So teams certainly will be in, would be intrigued if he decided that he wanted to try out football. I want to go back in one final thought here, even though I have a 1,000, Ted. I know you're busy, so I'll let you go on this. I think sometimes as fans we get caught up in thinking about the air raid offense. But with what Lincoln Riley has done and then Bill Beanbow as his offensive line coach, they've really done an incredible job in implementing that running game. I, I, I can remember going back when Lincoln came here, Ted, people were freaked out. They're like, oh, my gosh, he doesn't even have a fullback on his roster at East Carolina. Uh, what are we going to do? But you said it, there's, can you even begin to kind of put into words how creative they've been in what they've done with their running game? Because it's really it's creative, but it's off simple schemes, right? Yeah, no, it's uh, they run like a outside outside zone, but they do it with the midline read. So instead of reading the backside defensive end, they'll read the defensive tackle. That way, Murray can have a north and south running lane if he decides to keep the ball. Uh, I post that video of uh, the counter to the counter uh, that they created, which was really creative. So one of their best plays is running a counter play, and then they created a counter on top of that. Uh, so it's just there's so much creativity in the run game, and it's it's one of the more creative run games in the in college football. So it's not truly an air raid offense. It's uh it's really a, a mix of everything. Man, I love Ted Wynn's analysis. Great stuff. Follow him at FB underscore Film Analysis, and and make sure you check out his pod uh, podcast, The Coffee House Stunt. Obviously, a lot of perspective on the Sooner offense, not a lot on Bedlam. The Sooner offense is riding a pretty historic high. It's just the second time in the last 10 seasons that OU has scored at least 50 points in three straight games. It reached the 50-point mark in four straight contests in 2015. During the three-game winning streak against Oklahoma State that the, Cowboy, uh, that the Sooners are currently in the midst of, OU is averaging 52.7 points per game. I wonder what other nuggets Jacob Potter has stored up for us as we get set for Sooner Game Day. Jacob, take it away. Another packed show set for this weekend in Norman. We have it all covered for you, and I'll be really interested to hear from Gabe and Teddy in the final segment in what we call the last word. First, who wins the quarterback matchup? Kyler had the stellar game last week against Tech, but Cornelius is 10th nationally in passing yards himself. And second, who you got? Trey Sermon or Justice Hill? Sermon is averaging 120-plus yards over the last three games. But Justice Hill only needs 105 yards to become the third Cowboy ever to have three 1,000-yard seasons. And who's going to win the battle on the line? Oklahoma State averages over three and a half sacks per game, which is first in the nation. Can the Sooners' O-line hold their ground? We're breaking it all down for you on Fox Sports Southwest at 10 a.m.
All right, here's what the coverage looks like for Saturday. As you heard, 10 a.m. with Sooner Game Day on Fox Sports Oklahoma. Chad McKee, Gay Biker, to Teddy Lehman, and, of course, Jessica Cootie. And then we'll hit the air on the Sooner Radio Network with the 12.30 pregame show, taking you right up to kickoff with a 2.30 kick for Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. And, by the way, if you're on the road, if you're going to be out of state and you can't be there, I highly suggest logging on to Jessica Cootie's Facebook Live feed. Gives you the band's performance here from everyone on the field as we get ready for OU and Oklahoma State. It's Bedlam. Can't wait to break it all down in the uh, Bud Light postgame show, which you'll find right here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. So subscribe and you'll get that right in your inbox. However, you consume podcasts as soon as the game wraps up on Saturday night. So have a great game day. And until the postgame show, this is Chris Blank saying thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. And Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. 